The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch rushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. The head-to-head fantasy playoffs roll on. Let's help set those lineups and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on Monday, September 12th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White. Today on the show, all the waiver wire moves, the Mets prospect, Mark Vientos got the call. We'll talk about him, starter sit questions, and much more. Scotty, how's the weekend? Yes. Man? How you living? Oh, I am in an unpleasant mood. Oh, I'm sorry, bud. Unpleasant mood. Things things not shaping up well for for the fantasy teams this weekend. Not the least of which is my my one and only fantasy football team. I'm back to being a one league guy in that particular sport, as God intended. And uh, Superflex League, my quarterbacks are Tom Brady and Dak Prescott. Ouch. My quarterbacks got outscored 62-17. It's hard Ouch. to win that way. Hard yeah. to win that way. I keep losing in Catan when I play online. I was doing so well, and now I'm not. Forgot. It's like I feel like I'm bad at everything. That's, that's the mood yeah. I'm in. I feel like I'm bad at everything. Hey, it happens to the best of us, Scotty. I mean, I think that's a good lesson for anyone listening. It's like, you know, we all go through these streaks, right? Where it just kind of feels like everything's snowballing on you, but we'll get you back on track. Hopefully we can help out any fantasy baseball teams. That I, you have. I lost in the Scott White Dynasty League. I'm not going to get the first draft pick next year. I was only, it was only the consolation bracket. Yeah. But hey, I mean. But I want to win it. I want to win it. what I can win. Yeah, why not, right? Get yourself a little yeah. Drew Jones or uh, Jackson Holiday, but I guess yep. not anymore. Sorry, bud. All Maybe right, well, Jackson Holiday will fall. Who knows? We'll see. Let's get into the action. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. Oh, my goodness gracious. Scotty, where would you like to start? I would like to start with Nick Lodolo, who was great. He was great over the weekend. He was better than me over the weekend. Nick Lodolo, uh, if I can find it in the notes. See, I'm not even good at that. My gosh. <laughs> What's going okay. on? Nick. No, I went up instead of down. Go down. 
down. Okay, Friday. Friday, Nick Lodolo at Milwaukee. Team that's not so good against left-handed pitchers. I mean, this is best start yet, right? Two earned runs in eight innings with 11 strikeouts. And uh, in his last nine starts, that brings Nick Lodolo down to a 280 ERA, a 106 whip, 10.5K per nine. That curveball looks amazing. The fastball is starting to get some whiffs for him. And as I've pointed out a couple times just in the past week, Nick Lodolo has optimal, optimal matchups down the stretch. His next one this upcoming week is Pittsburgh. Can't ask for better than that. Uh, by the way, Hunter Brown was my favorite sleeper pitcher going into the weekend. Heading into the weekend for the upcoming week, Hunter Brown was my favorite starting pitcher. He's lost two-start status. They moved Framber Valdez in front of him. Framber Valdez is the Astros' two-start pitcher next week. So that means Nick Lodolo is now my favorite sleeper for sleeper pitcher for next week with just the one start against the Pirates. After the Pirates, Nick Lodolo gets the Red Sox, he gets the Brewers again, who he just dominated, and then he gets the Cubs to finish out the season. So you might just, if you pick up Nick Lodolo now, and he's still available in more than a third of CBS Sports Leagues, you might just keep him in your lineup for the rest of the season, especially with the kind of run he's on right now. Yeah, I think he's unquestionably the top waiver wire pitcher ad, Scott, wherever he's available. Just looking at the most added pitchers, Hunter Brown, who you spoke about, uh, spoke about, he will have one start this week at the Tigers, so it's still a really good matchup, and I would like to play Hunter Brown, but not over Nick Lodolo. Bailey Falter, two-star pitcher, Trevor Rogers, two-star pitcher, and then you get into Lodolo and Jose Suarez, but I think personally from that group, I prefer Lodolo over all of them. What say you? Yes, I agree. Cool. All right, so we're in agreement. Go pick up Lodolo. Great name, by the way, too. I just like saying it, Lodolo. You know what? It, it looks like it looks like an internet typo, you know? Like somebody <laughs> meant to hit L. Yeah, they were typing L-O-L-O-L-O-L, and they meant to hit L, but they hit D instead. Yeah, and pe- some people do that, right? They just write L-O-L oh, yeah. over and over again, so. I mean, point. they're on opposite sides of the keyboard, so it's not the most common typo, but I could see it happening. Nick Lodolo, he is really good. Let's talk about some other waiver wire pitchers from the weekend, and these are in the shallower leagues. Ross Stripling puts together another quality start. That's now five straight for him. He was at the Rangers, where he went six innings of two-run ball with four strikeouts, and his ERA is now down to 3.03 for the season. He's 76% rostered up against the Tampa Bay Rays this week. Cole Irvin, I know he's been really bad recently. His previous five starts, 7.45 ERA. But he did bounce back on Sunday. He went seven innings, three runs, only two of those earned, with five strikeouts up against the White Sox. And then Jose Quintana also had a solid start at the Pirates. He went five and two-thirds, one run, four strikeouts allowed there. And since joining the Cardinals, he has a 2.93 ERA. He's 68% rostered. He's got the Reds this week, which is an okay matchup. Um, What do you think about those three, Scotty? Ross Tripling, Cole Irvin, and Jose Quintana. I think the most of Stripling at this point, Irvin is driving me nuts because I pretty much wrote him off after his last start and decided his home park was now a hindrance rather than a help and bounces back with a really strong start in his home park. Yeah, Quintana, I mean, this was he's made eight starts with the Cardinals now, and this was the third time he's gone more than five innings, and it still wasn't a quality start because he only went five and two-thirds. Mm-hmm. So he's there, there's real limits to the upside there with Quintana that I think limits him to a being kind of a low-end matchups play. 
So, you know, if you're asking me to rank them, I guess I'm going to put Irvin ahead of Quintana and rank them uh, Stripling, Irvin, Quintana. The only thing on Irvin, Scott, is that he's at the Astros this week. So I just can't yeah. even see any scenario where I'd play him. But Neither can I. Can but I, I, don't, I don't have much interest in playing Quintana this week either is the thing. That's fair. I mean, I, the Reds obviously is a better matchup, but... He does have spark let, let me pull up the athletic schedule, see if if we can really write off Irvin because of how the matchups look rest of season. Should be pretty fi- easy to figure out. So he started here on Sunday, right? Yep. I'll I'll figure this out. Give me just a minute. You can go on to the next thing. All right. Well, there were other waiver wire pitchers. Part two, these are names that are rostered in less than 50% of CBS League. So much more widely available. We had Drew Smiley up against the Giants. He went seven innings, one hit, one earned run, eight strikeouts. And over his last seven starts, he has been amazing. 2.29 ERA, 0.99 whip, 13.8% swinging strike rate. That is Drew Smiley. He's 28% rostered, widely available. Mitch Keller makes it three straight quality starts. It's like every time you want to be out on Mitch Keller, pulls you back in. <laughs> seven shutout innings, six strikeouts up against the Cardinals. It's a pretty tough matchup, and he pitched well. Uh, got the ERA down to 4.01, so still not great there. He's at the Mets this week. Rowanzi Contreras, another solid outing, also against the Cardinals, five and a third, one run, one strikeout. Uh, he's 37% rostered at the Reds this week. And then Matt Manning, yes, that Matt Manning, turns in another quality start. He was at the Royals. He went six and a third, three runs, Two of them earned with four strikeouts, and he is 46% rostered home against the White Sox this week. So we have four names here. Smiley, Keller, Rowanzi Contreras, Matt Manning. Scott, before I ask you about those four, did you figure out what you need to figure out about Cole Irvin? So Irvin's next, his last four matchups to close out the season here. Houston, not good. Mets, not good. But then the Angels twice. Might be pretty good. See what what are the Angels doing the last fourteen days? Because I feel like they've been better with Mike Trout in the lineup. They are I mean, he homered in what six straight? Yeah, six straight. Uh, and, they ended on Sunday that they, streak. Uh, I don't know if he played on Sunday. I think he was out of the lineup, so I think technically that streak is still alive. Oh, okay. Yeah, he didn't all play right. at all on Sunday, so still alive. Um, and the Angels are sixteenth in weighted on base average over the last two weeks, so. More of a middling matchup and an average lineup during that span. Well, if, if that continues, it's a small sample, obviously. Yep. All right, Scott. So talk to me about these four names. How would you rank them? Drew Smiley, Mitch Keller, Rowanzi Contreras, and your boy, Matt Manning. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Matt Manning, like the, his slider was his fourth most used pitch in this start, even though it was a successful one. Like He's, he's not going to succeed if, if the sliders... if. With that kind of usage on the slider, he had seven swinging strikes on 94 pitches. So I'm not, um, I'm not being suckered back in on Matt Manning based on this start. So Drew Smiley, I think, is the most interesting one here. And he might be more interesting than the previous group, actually. At least up there with Ross Stripling from the previous group. So 23 swinging strikes in this seven-inning, one-hit effort against the Giants. He was bad last, like he was really bad in his previous start, seven and runs in two and a third innings. Yet even with that in there, Drew Smiley in his past seven starts has a 229 ERA. And a swinging strike rate during that seven stretch is like 14%. It's really good. So he's he's kind of 
kind of showing some things. Now, this week he gets the Mets. So that you, you probably don't want to use Drew Smiley this week. But then after that, Marlins and Pirates are his next two matchups. So might be might be good to file away for next week is in week 25. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I think he's up there with uh, Ross Tripling, and I'm surprised it's taking people this long to add Drew Smiley. I know obviously not everyone is alive in their playoffs or still paying attention to their Roto Leagues, but if you are, you should look to add Drew Smiley because he's pitching very well. And then in the deepest leagues, got I just have three more pitchers here. Joey Wentz is someone who pitches for the Tigers, and he had a great start at the Royals. He went six and two-thirds shutout with five strikeouts this weekend. Adrian Hauser turned in his first quality start since June 19th. He went six innings, one hit, one run, zero strikeouts. Like Classic Adrian Hauser start. And then Kyle Bradish, uh, another great start on Sunday up against the Red Sox. He went seven innings, one run, three strikeouts in that one. And over his last nine starts, Bradish has a 2.87 ERA. So... He's pitching well. He's finding a way to get it done. Uh, 27% roster. He's at the Blue Jays this week. Anything on these three, Scott? It's obviously very deep league stuff, but Joey Wentz, Adrian Hauser, Kyle Bradish. Yeah, it is deep league stuff. Uh, Bradish is probably the most interesting. He, he's actually had three of his last four starts, seven innings or more, and just two hits allowed. So that's really impressive uh, stretch he's on. I'm not sure he... I'm not sure any of the underlying numbers are enough to to get me that interested in him. In this start, as good as it was against the Red Sox, his fastball velocity was down almost two miles per hour, so that was weird. And uh, even if it wasn't, I'd still have a lot of reservations about Kyle Bradish. But these are three bad options you presented me with so I'll, I'll take Bradish among them yeah I would look to add him in a deeper league obviously if you can avoid playing him he's at the Blue Jays this week but he's doing some things the name there is Kyle Bradish oh my goodness gracious for me it's someone we talk about a lot but he's still available could be out there in some 12 team leagues some three outfielder leagues Jake the Snake McCarthy another huge weekend for this guy three for five with a sock and a shoe on Friday he went four for six with another stolen base on Sunday so he is 68% roster. He's got seven home games this week. He's playing quite consistently. You know, Corbin Carroll sitting out every third or fourth game. Even though Stone Garrett has played really well when he's in the lineup, he's just not playing that much. Jake McCarthy is one of their regulars, and he has been really, really good. 296 batting average overall, eight homers, 17 steals. And it would not surprise me if, if he keeps this up at season's end, Jake McCarthy winds up on a lot of winning rosters, specifically in Roto Leagues, because he has been that impactful at this point. 68% roster, Scott, Jake McCarthy. Uh, I think even in points leagues at this point and shallower leagues, he has to be rostered. I, I think he's a must-roster player at this point. Well, I don't love the Diamondbacks matchups for this upcoming week. Uh, they are facing the Dodgers and the Padres, two teams with good starting rotations in a seven-game scoring period. So I didn't have his, – his roster rate would allow him to be among my 10 sleeper hitters, and I don't have him in there. I think at five outfielder leagues, it doesn't matter. I mean, you <laughs> you got five outfield spots to fill. I don't know how you're going to find somebody that you can you can bench McCarthy for. But in three outfielder leagues, I, I might be a little hesitant to start him this week. But yeah, if you can roster him – uh, so let's look ahead at the Diamondbacks matchups. This is easier to do for hitters because obviously I can't project exactly what pitchers they're facing 
in the uh, hit uh, exactly what hit what pitchers a hitter is facing in the upcoming weeks. But um, hmm, the next week, it's not looking so great for the Diamondbacks either. They they have only a five game schedule: Astros and Giants. Mm. So wait, no, 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 nope, 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 nope. That's two weeks from now. Excuse me. But next week they're facing the Dodgers and the Giants. Uh, all right. <laughs> so bad matchups remaining for McCarthy. It is an eight-game week, however, next week, even with the not-so-great matchup. So, eh. It might be a little hard to play him in a three-outfielder league, but it's you could certainly do worse. I, I, I think, you know, just from a general analysis standpoint on Jake McCarthy, like, he's proving himself to be... Uh, a good source for average and stolen bases. Not even sure what a great comp for that is. Like maybe, maybe he could be what Whit Merrifield used to be just as an outfield only guy. Maybe like a faster Andrew Benintendi is a little fair. I don't, I don't know, but useful. Definitely. Definitely useful. Jake McCarthy getting it done right now. He's 68% rostered and Scott, would you be willing to drop Lars Newbar for him? Because Newbar is just one for 24 over his last eight games, and he's also 67% rostered. So if you're riding the hot hand, that might be a move you're thinking about making. Yeah, I mean, the main thing for Newbar with me is, is like they just, they've just been, they've started sitting him so much. I, I thought he had emerged as such an on base machine that that wasn't going to happen. Uh, but the slightest bit of slumpage from him, and they're, they're taking him out of the lineup every other day. So that, that makes it hard to stick with him. I I think that's fine. Yeah, dropping new bar for McCarthy is fine. All right, let's get it done, and let's take a look at some waiver wire hitters from the weekend. The corner infield, which brings us to Josh Young, who had an amazing debut on Friday. A sock and a shoe, a home run and a steal in his very first game. I don't think that we should expect much speed from him because, frankly, I saw him rounding the bases on his home run. He didn't know it was a home run, so he was running hard. He doesn't look like he runs very fast, so I, I don't think he's going to steal many more, bases. More socks than shoes in, in uh, Josh Young's future. Definitely, definitely. He's 43% rostered. He's got seven games this upcoming week, and I believe on Friday's podcast, he was the number one sleeper hitter uh, for this uh, this coming period, Scott. But yep. do you like him more than these other two names? Joey Manessis? Well, I guess you would if he's your number one hitter. But anyway, uh, Joey Manessis, back-to-back multi-hit games. On Saturday and Sunday, he hit another home run. It's now his eighth homer. He's 50% rostered. And then Eduardo Escobar, the dude is hot right now. He hit two more home runs this weekend, 14 games since returning. He's batting 413 with five homers, and he's 56% rostered. So how do you rank those three, Scott? If you need a corner infielder or maybe just a utility bat, Josh Young, Manessis, Eduardo Escobar. Well, it, it gets so tricky this time of year because it's, you know, for for five months we're thinking like just who's the most who's the most talented player that's going to get enough playing time and we're not really thinking about next week all that much at least i'm not when it comes to waiver claims Uh, but obviously there are in in weekly lineup leagues presuming your season goes through week 26 there are just three left and by the time you're listening to it it may be two left um so you really got to think more short term Josh Young would be the easy answer if it was long-term. As you mentioned, he is my top sleeper hitter for next week, but it's not by much. I I pointed out on 
on Friday's show that uh, this upcoming slate of of two uh, of sleeper hitters, it, there's not a lot of differentiation between them, so it's kind of kind of arbitrary putting Young at the top of the list. So it's a I have a slight preference for him this upcoming week over the red hot Eduardo Escobar. If you want to, if you know, I want to blame you for disagreeing with me. I'm not good at anything right now. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Joey Manessas, his five games for the Nationals this week. So he's probably not a high priority for me. All right. So if we are ranking them, we're probably going young Escobar Manessas, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're mainly looking at next week. Yeah. Sure. All right. A few other outfielders. These probably more so for five outfielder leagues, but uh, all rostered in less than 40% of CBS leagues. Oscar Gonzalez went four for five with a double dong on Friday. He's got eight games, eight home games this upcoming week. AJ Pollock had six hits this weekend, including a four for five performance on Saturday where he stole his second base of the season. He's 35% rostered with six games this week. And I believe you said that you do like the White Sox matchups uh, yep. this upcoming week. And, and then, three lefties who he ha- he's got an OPS over a thousand Pollock does against lefties. Nice. Yeah. And in the month of September, he's just playing very well. 366 batting average, two homers, nearly a thousand OPS. And then Lane Thomas, obviously the problem, the nationals only have five games this week, but he is also crushing the ball. Seven hits, including a steal this weekend and post all-star break. He's hitting 311, six homers, five steals in 867 OPS. And, you know, that's been sustained for almost two months now. So, Scott, how are you ranking these three outfielders just for, I guess, this upcoming week? Oscar Gonzalez, A.J. Pollock, Lane Thomas. Well, Oscar Gonzalez and, and A.J. Pollock both are among my 10 sleeper hitters. Okay. Again, sl- just a slight preference for Gonzalez over Pollock there. Uh, and, and Lane Thomas is, is third. You mentioned the five games for the Nationals, but... Yeah, even even skill-wise, I have less confidence in what he's doing, even if it's been basically since the All-Star break. Would you drop... Uh, we, we should mention for Josh Young, you know, as good as that debut was with the sock and the shoe, he struck out four times on Sunday. Ooh, so it's it's yikes. been a... You know, his, his first weekend in the majors was a mixed bag. Sure was. Uh, speaking of Lars Newbar, I mentioned him before, Scott. Would you be okay dropping him for any of these... Three outfielders, Oscar Gonzalez, AJ Pollock, Lane Thomas. Look, if if you need a if you need an outfielder for this week specifically, I trust Oscar Gonzalez and, and AJ Pollock over over Lars Newbar. So either of them would be fine. Probably not probably want to drop Lane uh Newbar for Lane Thomas. All right. We spoke about Eric Haas recently, if you are looking for a second catcher in a two-catcher league, but there were a few other names that emerged this weekend, along with Haas, who had a double dong on Friday, so another good game for him. He's 19% rostered. He's got six home games this week. Elias Diaz for the Rockies. Monster game Friday, four for five, double dong, walk-off homer, just a massive performance for him. He's 24% rostered. Only five road games this upcoming week, so nothing in Coors Field. And then Danny Jansen went four for five with his 12th home run on Saturday. 18% rostered, has eight home games this week. So, uh, Scott, second catcher, how do you rank these three for, I guess, this upcoming week? Jansen, Diaz, and Haas. Okay, let me glance at their matchups real quick. So I think the Blue Jays have the best matchups of these three. But... 
Danny Jansen's probably just my least favorite of the three. <laughs> um, mm, man, Tigers matchups are tough. Rockies have five games on the road. Okay, I guess Danny Jansen. All right, Danny Jansen. I probably would put Eric Haas second on that list, and then yeah. Elias Ciaz. Deeper corner infielders, Spencer Torkelson quietly doing some stuff. Last seven games, he's hitting 375 with a homer. He's 38% rostered. He's got six home games this week. David Villar went two for four with his fifth home run on Saturdays. Just quietly racking up some multi-hit games recently. Over his last 15 games, David Villar hitting 300 with four home runs. And he has first, second, and third base eligibility. Albert mm-hmm. Pujols. You love to see it. He hit two more home runs this weekend, which brings him to 697 career homers. He moves into sole possession of fourth place on the all-time home run list, passing Alex Rodriguez. He is now uh, 30% rostered. Basically starts every other game. He gets in a few pinch hit appearances, seven home games this week. Scott, let's say you need a deeper corner infielder. Spencer Torkelson, David Villar, Albert Pujols. Well, none are among my 10 sleeper hitters for this week, so we'll start there. The one I'm most eager to pick up just in a general sense is David VR. The the Giants, you know, the Giants aren't known for having the same hitter in their lineup every day for giving giving anybody every day at bats, but it sounds like Gabe Kapler um in, in my uh waiver wire piece from from Thursday, I had a quote in there basically saying you know they're they're going to give him a chance to play every day down the stretch, and and so far he's looked good with that chance. So the Giants have the Braves and the Dodgers in six games this upcoming week. That's not great, obviously. So I'm not eager to start VR for that. Following week they get the Rockies and Diamondbacks in a seven game scoring period. Actually, the next two weeks they get the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. So David VR might be a sleeper hitter for uh, not for this upcoming week, but for the next two. All right, a few other deeper outfielders. Robbie Grossman had a very big weekend. Sock in a shoe on Friday and then hit another home run here on Sunday. He is 12% rostered. He's got six games this upcoming week. Jack Sawinski is back up with the Pirates, and he has a home run in back-to-back games, has started six straight for them. He's 6% rostered, and the Pirates also have eight games this week. And then Stone Garrett, who I mentioned earlier, He's playing really well. Maybe they're just picking the right matchups to play him in, and that's why he's crushing the ball. But he went one for four with two walks and two steals on Sunday. He's now batting 405, three homers, three steals, and an OPS approaching 1,200 in only 11 games played. So it's a very small sample size. That is Stone Garrett. He's 6% rostered, seven home games this week. Scott, let's say, you know, 15 team leagues, five outfielders, Grossman. (laughs) Grossman, Sawinski, and Stone Garrett. If it's a 15 team, even if it's a 15 team, five outfielder league, if I'm starting any of these guys, it's a problem. But if I am forced to pick one, let me just double check how much Sawinski is playing. He started six straight. Yeah. I'm going to say Grossman. It's gross. I know. (laughs) Last one. Uh, did Elvis Andrews make it into the sleeper hitters, Scotty? Because I know he had another monster week. Yeah, he here. did. Yeah. All right. I uh, I bummed Nick Gordon for him with the Sunday update date here because Andrews continued his rampage over the weekend. Sure did. All right. Could so not, could not be ignored. If you are looking for a shortstop or a middle infielder this week, Elvis Andrews is sixth on Scott's sleeper hitters this week. 
27% rostered, and he's just ahead of Spencer Steer on that list. So again, Elvis Andrews, really hot right now. I did want to mention Mark Viento Scott, who we spoke about on our Fantasy Baseball Today in five podcasts this weekend, where we typically talk about some prospects who could come up here down the stretch and, and hopefully help your fantasy teams out. He was called up on Sunday. However, he didn't have a great debut. He went over five with two strikeouts, six men left on base, and he was having a great season in the minors. Big pop here. He went two, uh, he was batting 280, 24 homers, 877 OPS, and 101 games at AAA. And uh, he started Sunday, which was up against the lefty. So I'm not exactly sure how much he's going to play, but what do you think about Viento Sky, your expectations? And if you're trying to add him anywhere, like what size league are you looking to add him? Maybe a 15 teamer. I don't think he's going to play enough. He, he started at DH and he started at DH because there was the lefty on the mound, presumably. Uh, Jesus Lazardo was on the mound for the Marlins. I imagine Daniel Vogelbach's going to continue to be the Mets DH against righties. Uh, they don't seem to trust Vientos's defense at third base so much. And, and plus Eduardo Escobar is so hot. Why would they take him out? I do want to mention, though, he, Vientos was one of many minor leaguers who was just miserable in April. So from May 1st on, he hit 303 with a 937 OPS at AAA. So really productive season. Strikeouts were high, but everything else looked great. And I think, I think if they can find a place to fit him in the lineup, he could be he could be kind of a poor another. Pete, like not Pete Alonzo, but like a poor man's version of Pete Alonzo. Scott, I don't want to tack on to the the weekend of bad news and bad fortune for you, but do you want some news about your quarterback in fantasy football? Okay, Dak Prescott ha- ha- needs surgery on his thumb, and he's going to miss multiple weeks. Oh gosh, I'm sorry, bud. Looked like he needed surgery. Uh, yeah, not that many people care about football happenings on here, but because no, uh, everybody cares about football happenings. Yeah, hey, it's uh, it's week one. It's a big weekend. Um, yeah, no, that's uh, not great, Bob. I'm sorry, bud. I got it. Look, looks like there's a lot of Mac Jones in my team's future. Oh, uh, I don't He's know. The third stringer. Yeah, that's uh, probably not great either. But yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, just a reminder that this week the the schedule is um, that we will not have a podcast tomorrow. So you're listening to this on Monday. Uh, we will not have a live stream for on YouTube Monday night. We won't have a podcast in your feed Tuesday, but we will be here live on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. Podcast in your feed Wednesday, Thursday, Friday morning. So just a heads up once again on that. Let's take a quick break and we'll get to the news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. 
passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. The news and notes. Justin Verlander is hoping to return to action next weekend against the Oakland A's. Now, Scott, would that mean that Hunter Brown will get booted from the rotation as a result? I imagine so. Possible they could shift Christian Javier to the bullpen, I guess, but they they probably want to audition Brown for a postseason bullpen role. He's not going to be part of the offseason starting rotation. Yeah. So, so it turns out uh, Brown was just going to get one start anyway. One start against the Tigers and uh and then he might be useless to you but you know what that could be a really damn good start yeah, against the be. detroit tigers Ma- max scherzer threw a bullpen session on sunday without any issues and he is currently on the il with an oblique injury so as we learn more we will let you know shane mcclanahan could return on thursday against the blue jays though that is not confirmed for sure to happen if uh let's say we don't hear anything else scott would you take a chance and start shane mcclanahan in your lineups this week I don't think so. He's It's going to be a short start if he starts. I think yeah. it's safe to say. Mm-hmm. Zach Wheeler threw approximately 15 pitches off a mound on Saturday. If all goes well, the hope is that he'll be activated around September 20th when the Phillies return back home. John Gray will return and start Monday against the Marlins. He is 59% rostered. Scott, are you looking to add John Gray anywhere? So this is an interesting one. Because this will this will probably be a short start, but it's against the Marlins, and I think it'll line him up for two starts. It's a little tricky because it's a doubleheader Monday, so theoretically they could the next time through they could go with either of the pitchers that starts Monday. Uh, Dane Dunning is the other one. Dane Dunning is or not Dane Dunning, uh, Glenn Otto, right? Glenn Otto. Yep, one eight hundred. Glenn Otto's in his first full year, so I I would imagine they'd rather preserve his innings and and let Gray go first, let him continue to build up innings. So I think it's going to be a two-start week for Gray uh, with the matchups being against the Marlins and the Rays. Favorable schedule. I added him to my sleeper pitchers for that reason, but it's it's definitely risky both because we can't be sure he's going to make that second start and, you know, fresh off the I.L. I'm assuming you like Nick Lodolo more than John Gray, right? Yeah, yeah. What about someone like Drew Smiley? Who would you prefer there, Smiley or John Gray? Well, for this upcoming week, since Smiley's going against the Mets, so I'll take John Gray. Yeah, fair enough. Makes sense to me. Luis Severino will make his next rehab start on Thursday. He threw 45 pitches last time out at A. Byron Buxton is expected to return prior to the end of the regular season for the Minnesota Twins. Tim Anderson is scheduled to meet with a hand specialist on Tuesday, at which point the White Sox could have a better sense 
of if or when he will be able to return this season. Ryan Presley, Wander Franco, Sir Anthony Dominguez, and Vinny Pasquantino were all reinstated by their respective teams this weekend, so some reinforcements coming. Definitely useful. Dominguez, in his first game back Sunday, worked the 8th. Yep. And David Robertson, the ninth for the save. And uh, the Phillies manager said Dominguez might not work back-to-back coming off the IL here. So I, I don't know... I don't know that you can plug him in right away and expect saves. I, I I think he will get some, but I don't think it'll be a consistent thing. And you know, if you're not getting consistent saves with with uh, what two and a half weeks to go, three and a half weeks to go, then it's a problem. Yep. Jazz Chisholm was ruled out for the remainder of the season due to that stress fracture in his back. DJ LeMahieu hopes to return from the IL during the Yankees' next homestand, which begins on September 20th, so that would be a week from Tuesday. Nico Horner left Sunday night's game with tightness in his right triceps. Gavin Lux, who is dealing with a back injury, likely will not return to the Dodgers lineup until next weekend, so you probably don't want to play him in any of your lineups this upcoming week. Mackenzie Gore made a rehab start at AAA on Sunday, going one and two-thirds scoreless with zero strikeouts. He's 46% rostered. I don't know how many starts he'll technically get in with the Nationals, Scott, but are you looking yeah. to add Mackenzie Gore? Nope. Nope. He'd been bad for a long time before he got hurt. Sure. Aaron Ashby will throw off a mound in the next day or two, but is not being stretched out as a starter. They expect him to return this season as a reliever. To the IL this weekend, Starling Marte with that non-displaced fracture of his right middle finger that is retroactive to September 7th. Chris Archer with right pectoral tightness, Eric Lauer with an elbow strain, Nick Madrigal with a right groin strain, Kabert Wees, I mean, poor guy, testicular contusion expected to miss the rest of the season, and Lourdes Gurriel with a left hamstring strain. Starter sit these banged up players, Scotty. Luis Robert feels like he hasn't played at all in the second half, but he is he has missed five straight once again with a hand injury. What are you doing with Luis Robert this week? probably sitting in. I think so, too. Trevor's story was removed from Sunday's game due to left heel pain. The Red Sox have an off day Monday, so we won't necessarily know until Tuesday. How do you feel about Trevor's story? They have an off day Monday and an off day Thursday. Five-game week for the Red Sox and a week where a lot of teams have eight games, much less seven, much less six. (laughs) So, uh, you know, 12-team context, you could probably find a better option than story for this week. Elvis Andrus, baby. Let's do it. Ty France was out on Sunday with his wrist acting up again. He missed time with it earlier in the season. Starter sit Ty France. Did he end up playing? And, I mean, not starting, but did he end up getting in the game? I was, I was watching that see. heartbreaking loss by the Braves. He and, did have uh, a pinch hit appearance. Okay. So that, I mean, with a wrist, you'd, you'd think if it was that bad, they wouldn't let him pinch hit. However, the Mariners also have just five games this week, so... Maybe better off sitting Ty France anyway. Brandon Drury is targeting a Tuesday return from the concussion IL, but I don't know that we'll hear more before then. Well, I guess we'll know if he's starting that day. But how do you feel about Brandon Drury if he is back? I, uh, well, you know, depends how deep the league is. A 15-team Roto League, you might you might want to get him in the lineup right away, but otherwise, probably not. All right, let's move over to some starting pitchers. Starters sit these. It's a combination of players who have 
either had a good start over the weekend, but the underlying numbers don't line up or pitchers that just haven't been great recently. So it's crunch time, Scotty. We got to help the people out. Do they start Lance McCullers, who put together his second quality start? He was up against the Angels. He went seven innings of two-run balls, six strikeouts, 15 swinging strikes, and through two, uh, five starts, he has a 2.20 ERA. However, a 1.33 whip, 4.37 xFIP is pretty high. He's walking a lot of batters. He's up against the Oakland A's this week, so it is a really good matchup. Well, that's what we said about Johnny Cueto, too. True. I haven't gotten to his start yet. I... Uh, I would, I don't, I, McCullers hasn't shown me enough. This was like the one good start so far. And yeah, I'd, I'd rather sit him. Obviously, if it, it depends on how deep the league is always, but I generally speaking, we're talking about a 12 teamer, and I'd rather sit McCullers than that. All right. Mike Clevenger's last seven starts, he has a 5.98 ERA and a 1.38 whip. He's going up against the Diamondbacks who have the eighth best weighted on base average over the last 14 days. So they're hitting the ball quite well. Scott, what do you think about start or sit Clevenger? I, can you drop him? Might be able to drop him. Well, I'd, I'd rather start McCullers over him if, if that was the choice. Okay. I'm, I'm not particularly eager to start Clevenger. And yeah, in a 12-team league, I think, you, I think he's pretty dispensable. I'm not saying he's must drop, but he's whatever. I would drop him for Nick Lodolo. Sure, me too. Next up, we have Dustin May, who has given up nine earned runs over his last two starts, which includes 10 innings pitched. Uh, he is also at the Diamondbacks this week, who, again, they're swinging a hot bat. What do you think about Dustin May? So I'm not particularly eager to start him either. And the walks have suddenly become an issue in his, uh, his last two starts, which is out of character for him. Coming off Tommy John surgery, you kind of understand it. But after this week, I believe he'll be lined up for two starts the following week. So if, if you don't have much use for him now, he might still be worth holding on to for a two-start week against the Padres and Rockies in Los Angeles, not, not Colorado. All right, next up we have Corey Kluber, who could not escape the first inning at the Yankees. He recorded just two outs and he gave up six runs. The ERA is now up to 4.36. I only ask because he's still 86% rostered, Scott. So oh, I keep I keep looking one week ahead. I hope I haven't <laughs> I hope I haven't given wrong information doing that. Okay, so next week it would it would it would be two starts against the Diamondbacks and Cardinals for May, not Padres and Rockies. But two starts is the point. Okay. Anyway, who, who are you asking about now? Corey Kluber. I don't think anyone's starting him in a 12 team league. He's at the Blue Jays this week, but I, I feel like we could probably drop him as well. He's 86% rostered. Yeah, I have I have no reason to hold on to him. I mean, his previous four starts before this disaster were quality starts, but not in a way that was particularly enticing. Next up, Logan Webb turned in a strong start at the Cubs. He went seven innings, two runs, six strikeouts. I think most people are probably like, what are you talking about? It's Logan Webb. It's a no-brainer, but... He's going up against the Dodgers this week, and he has a 4.776 ERA in three starts against them this season. How do you feel about Webb against the Dodgers? It's not an automatic sit, but if you have good enough pitching that there's any that you'd ever think about sitting Logan Webb, then this is a week to do it. Let's say you picked up Nick Lodolo, Scott. Would you ride with Lodolo or Logan Webb? 
I think I'd go Lodello. I think so too. Carlos Carrasco got back on track at the Marlins. He went six innings of one run ball with six strikeouts, only 74 pitches, but obviously was still very good in this one. And he is at home against the Pirates this week. Yeah, uh, Carrasco is fine. Looked much better in his second start back. I'd, I'd start him against the Pirates. Pablo Lopez. We're good for at least one of these Pablo Lopez starts every season. Absolutely crushed by the New York Mets. Oh, where he one. goes, yeah, <laughs> he goes three and two thirds. He gives up eight runs on 10 hits, three walks. The ERA is now up to 4.04. The whip is 1.24. And over his last 18 starts, those numbers are even higher. 5.42 ERA, 1.39 whip. And he is at home against the Phillies this week. What do you think? What's annoying is he had been bad for so long and then seemed like he was getting back on track. Three good starts in a row for Pablo Lopez. Well, the last one was really short. Uh, I'm not sure why, but it was maybe there was, I don't know if there was a rain delay or something. But uh, yeah, for for how short it was, the results were good and the previous two before that were good. So I, I thought, I thought, you know, he was trustworthy again and then he goes and does this. So uh, I'm not going to, ERA over four now, I'm not going to start him next week. I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to start him again this year. He he burned me for the last time. Negative 14 fantasy points for those playing in head-to-head points leagues over on CBS this past week. That is Pablo Lopez. Jose Arquiti gave up 10 hits and six earned runs on Saturday up against the Angels, but I think we probably want to start him up against the Oakland A's. It's not in Oakland, so that's a good thing. Yeah. Yep. I'd start Arquiti against the A's, sure. I mean... Look, his number, even with this bad start, Urquidy's numbers in his last 14 games, he has a 291 ERA and a .91 whip. So he's, yeah, against the A's, definitely start him. And he's one of those pitchers that routinely outperforms his underlying metrics and peripherals. So I think he's just a good pitcher and he pitches on a good team. So as a result, I would trust Jose Urquidy. Jack Flaherty was not great uh, at the Pirates this weekend. He went five innings. He gave up three runs, six hits, four walks, so a whip of two and a good matchup. So it was unfortunate. And he is going up against the Reds this week. He's only 43% started. What do you think about Jack Flaherty? I mean, I'm not going to start him, and I'd, I'd be okay dropping him in a 12-team league because I'm not sure he's going to get a chance to, to earn our trust again before the year's over. Like it's not it's not all bad this start. I, I realized he didn't get any whiffs, and it didn't seem like his slider was working, which was his best swing in this pitch in his previous start. But the velocity was still up from where it was in in June, that three start stretch where he his shoulder clearly wasn't right. So he is on he, he is still looking better than that, and um, so I don't want to dismiss him as a bounce back candidate for next year. But this year it might be hard to trust Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty is out of the circle of trust. Taiwan Walker tied a season high with 10 strikeouts at the Marlins. He went seven innings, one run, had those 10 strikeouts to just two walks, and he is also home against the Pirates this week. I mean, you got to start him against the Pirates. Yeah. I don't, this, this start, like it seemed like Taiwan Walker was falling out of the circle of trust, but then he has a start like this and you got that great matchup. So, all right. Yeah. We'll start Taiwan Walker. Brady Singer turned in another great start up against the Tigers. He went seven shutout with six strikeouts in that one. However, he's at the Red Sox this week, and they are 11th in Woba against righties. They are second in Woba 
over the last 14 days. So kind of hot again. What do you think about Brady Singer? Clearly not must start. I, I wouldn't be that stressed if I had to start him either. He's he's fine. Yeah. Uh, Joe Musgrove, another lackluster start. It was up against the Dodgers, so very tough matchup. Five and a third. He gave up four runs in this one. And over his last 14 starts, nearly half the season at this point, 4.95 ERA for Joe Musgrove. He's at the Diamondbacks. I didn't think we would get to the point where we fear the Diamondbacks, Scott, but again, they're they're hitting well. What do you think about Musgrove? Yeah, it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. He's carried you. Like this might be the first time you you're considering sitting him because even amid this this uh this 14 start stretch with a 4.95 ERA, there's been some great starts in there that keep you coming back. Uh, I'd put him in the same category as Brady Singer, I guess. Like I wouldn't mind sitting Joe Musgrove at this point, but if you have to start him, I I don't think it's I don't think it's the end of the world. Wanted to pull up his splits real quick to see how he has performed against the Diamondbacks this season. So I'm just going to say a couple of words while I pull this up. And he has made two starts against them. And he has a 5.23 ERA. So doesn't make me feel great about Joe Musgrove. Yeah. Johnny Cueto got roughed up on Sunday at the Oakland A's where he gave up seven runs. Five of those earned over four and two thirds innings pitched. However, he's at the Tigers this week. What do you think about Cueto? So this is... This was still just his third start all year, allowing more than three earned runs. Two of them have come in his last four starts, though, so he may be just just when we're uh, like, okay, I guess I guess we got to start buying into Johnny Cueto. He starts to fall apart. Tigers, though, I'd give him one more shot. Let's say you have Cueto and Musgrove. Can you actually do that, Scott? Start. Can Cueto. I actually sit? Yeah, sit Musgrove for Cueto. Can I actually do that? Let me just double check and make sure. How did I overlook him? Is how rostered is Cueto? Oh, he's surprised I overlooked him as a sleeper pitcher for this week. He's too rostered. He's, he's too rostered. Okay, that would be yeah. why then. He is eighty-three percent. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> Cueto or Musgrove? <laughs> no. Mm. I think I'd start Musgrove. I think it's a tough I would, call, though. I think I would go Cueto, but you're right. It is a really tough call. Flip a coin, I guess. Pitching standouts part one, the leftovers from the weekend. Carlos Rodon now has double-digit strikeouts in four of his last five outings. He was at the Cubs, where he went five and a third, gave up two runs with 11 strikeouts on the season. I mean, in that start, rather. Drew Rasmussen posted a career-high 10 strikeouts at the Yankees. He went six shutout with 10 strikeouts to zero walks. His ERA is now down to 2.57. Lance Lynn put together another strong outing at the Oakland A's. He survived the launching pad. That is Oakland. Six <laughs> six innings pitched, two unearned runs, five strikeouts for Lance Lynn. He had 21 swinging strikes in that start and now has a 1.81 ERA over his last eight outings. He's, he's getting the Tigers this week. Mm, beautiful. That is, that is wonderful. He's, he's coming through in the clutch, Lance Lynn, baby. Potential league winner. Yeah. And, and then Tristan McKenzie had another strong outing at the Twins. He went seven shutout with five strikeouts in that one. Lowers the ERA to 3.05. Anything you'd like to add, Scotty, on McKenzie, Lynn, Rasmussen, and Carlos Rodon? So I was just looking at Joe Musgrove's game log to see if I could talk myself into Cueto instead. So four of his past six starts, Musgrove's, have been quality starts. It's worth pointing out. 
No, wait a second. That doesn't include Sundays. Never mind. That'd be four <laughs> of his last seven then. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, all right. You were asking me about who here? Mackenzie, uh-huh. Lance Lynn, Drew Rasmussen, and Carl Sordan. Just do, do I have any juicy nuggets to offer? Yes, sir. Well, if if since you asked so nicely, I will tell you that Drew Rasmussen now in his past seven starts has a 134 ERA, 0.72 whip, and 9.6 K per nine. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. And he got 22 whiffs in this one at the Yankees. Did you say that already? Yep. Okay. Sorry, I was looking that thing up on <laughs> Musgrove that I ended up saying wrong. Well, yeah, I guess Rasmussen, I don't know. Rasmussen's, Rasmussen's getting to be mighty interesting. Mighty interesting. I don't know. What is his matchup this week? Do you have it here? It looks like he has two starts this week against the Rangers and at the Blue. Oh yeah, that's what that's what uh, that's what's currently showing up on the website. But I don't think that's true. I think his I think his next schedule starts for Wednesday. I think it's so doubleheaders sometimes screw up the the automation there with the the probable pitchers. Um, so that would be just one start at the Blue Jays. Then. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's in the same category as. Brady Singer, I think, where mm-hmm. you could do it or you could not do it. Just depends what you have. He's just pitching so well, Scott, as you highlighted. Uh, even if you just look at the season long numbers for Rasmussen, 257 ERA, 104 whip. Underlying ERA numbers look really good for him. Nearly a strikeout per inning, good ground ball rate, good swinging strike rate. He might just actually be a really good pitcher, Drew Rasmussen. Pitching standouts part two. Julio Arias has now allowed two earned runs or fewer in 10 straight starts. He was at the Padres, where he went seven innings. Two runs allowed, five strikeouts in that one. Max Fried turns in another solid start at the Mariners. Six innings, two runs, six strikeouts for him. ERA now down to 2.50. And George Kirby, another strong start as well. He was up against the Braves. Six innings, one unearned run, and six strikeouts. And in nine starts since returning to the Mariners... George Kirby has a 1.90 ERA with 53 strikeouts to five walks over 47 <laughs> and a third innings pitched. Anything on these three, Scotty? Arias, Freed, and Kirby. Yeah, with Kirby, so those numbers I, I noticed were really good too, but not consistently going deep enough for it to really impact you in fantasy. I guess two turns ago we went, Three innings. Uh, let me double check that. That may have been because of a rain delay. Let me double check that. No, no, I didn't make a note of that. Can't remember if it was or not. But yeah, it's been a little inconsistent the amount he's pitched. So that makes him more difficult to trust than uh, than some of these guys. But he's usable with the right matchup, sure. That was a rain-shortened start, by the way, Scotty. Okay, good. And he is at the Angels this week, so I would be okay starting George Kirby. And then pitching standouts, part three. Shane Bieber, another great start at the Twins. He went six and a third, one run, seven strikeouts in that one. Now down to a 2.91 ERA on the season. 
He's been very good, and I was very wrong about Shane Bieber this season. Brandon Woodruff put up his fourth double-digit strikeout start of the year. He was up against the Reds. Six innings, two runs, 11 strikeouts, just one walk for him. And then Zach Allen, finally, he gave up a run, but he was still very, very good. In Coors Field, he survived, where he went six innings, gave up three runs, but had 11 strikeouts to zero walks. And the ERA now stands at 2.50 on the season for Zach Gallen. Anything on him, Woodruff, and Shane Bieber? Really tough going into to Coors Field when you have a scoreless streak going. It ended up being the seventh longest all-time, 44 and a third innings. Wow. So uh, technically, he set the Diamondbacks record because I think Brandon Webb was 42 and a third. Okay. There you go. Good season for Zach Allen. I was wrong about him. Sure. Yeah, me too. I did not draft a single share of Zach Allen mm-hmm. anywhere, and I think I have like 14 or 15 teams. I do I do have him on one team. It's my best team. But it is also trailing at the halfway point of its playoff matchup, two-week <sighs> playoff matchup, adding to my misery. Don't worry. This week, Scotty, we're going to get you back on track. Some hitting leftovers from the weekend. O'Neill Cruz added five hits, including a home run and another steal. And over his last 17 games, he is hitting 313 with five homers, one steal, crushing the ball, hitting it hard, putting it in the air, still striking out a lot, 32% for O'Neill Cruz. But people are adding him. He's now up to 80% rostered, and he's got eight road games this upcoming week. Bobachet had six more hits this weekend, including his 23rd home run. Scott, we were talking beforehand. This week that Bo Bichette just put together was insane. He finished mm. the week with eight doubles, five homers, 11 runs, 13 RBI, which totaled 59 fantasy points on CBS. That's crazy. Yeah, he is really trying to get up to last year's OPS before the season <laughs> ends. It's it's climbing close to the, the eight. Well, did he cross the 800 mark today? I guess he probably did. Because uh, he entered, let me double check here. He's at seven ninety four. Okay, okay, it actually went down today. Yeah, so he's at seven ninety four, and last year Bo Bichette's OPS was eight twenty eight. So I, I don't, th- I don't know that he's going to get there, but he's trying. He's trying. He's he's definitely, uh, he's definitely was put it within reach. Now nowhere near last year's stolen base total, and that's that's the biggest issue at this point. But mm-hmm. yeah, he's Bo Bichette is is uh, trying to remind everyone why he was such a highly regarded pick coming into the year. And I hate this too, Scott, because it felt like we were trending towards getting Bichette at a, at a discount for next year. And if he just continues to crush it in September, that's going to be the last thing in, in many people's minds. And they're going to probably just treat him like a second round pick again or something like that. And we won't really get a discount. So, well, kind of stinks. Maybe. Maybe. And if, but can we count on him for steals? I mean, I don't know. What do we know? What what, what is the steals environment going to be like at all next year? It's going to be chaos. I mean, the, theoretically, the it changes. Should, it should be easier for him to steal bases, right? I guess. So. Right, but it's going to be easier for everyone to steal bases. Also true. I think. I think just in general, stolen bases are going to be overvalued next year. Overvalued. Overvalued. Once yeah. again, even though we're going to have more places to get them from throughout the draft? Well, I don't I don't know that that'll be accounted for enough. But it and and maybe fairly cuz we don't we don't know exactly 
We don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but I think it's going to lead to a democratization of stolen bases, the same way we saw democratization of home runs during the juice ball era. And um, I mean, the cost of home runs has gotten ridiculous the past few years in rotisserie leagues. The cost of home runs or the cost? I'm sorry, the cost of stolen bases has gotten ridiculous in in rotisserie leagues the past few years. So uh, I welcome it. I welcome that change. Mm -hmm. And if anyone wants to hear more about that, uh, the previous podcast that we did, we talked all about yeah. these proposed rule changes and how it could affect fantasy baseball. So yep. if you want to go back and listen to that, Mike Trout hit two more home runs this weekend, making that six straight games with a home run. He's now up to 34 total. And again, he did not play on Sunday, so he has a chance to extend that streak. Michael Harris hit three more homers this weekend, including a double dong on Sunday. He is now batting 311 with 18 homers. 65 runs, 56 RBI, uh, and a 909 OPS. So he has just been completely ridiculous. Scott, how early do you think Michael Harris goes next season in drafts? Mm. Well, what's weird about him, we were, we were talking about this before the show, is his his ground ball rate is like 57%. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. And, um and the plate discipline's not very good. It's not like the exit velocity stands out. The average exit velocity stands out for Michael Harris. It doesn't stand out. Uh, and yet the expected stats are great on StatCast. So he is like, he he is he is making his fly balls count. He is optimizing the launch. He's optimizing exit velocity on the right launch angles. He's kind of threading the needle as far as that goes to to deliver the production he has. So, you know, if with that that home run and stolen base combination, Harris is something like a, I don't know, I could he be as high as a third round pick as as much as people pay for stolen bases? Talking specifically roto or categories leagues at this point, not points leagues. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's going that high, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be drafting much of him. It just seems like it's it's a little bit of a tightrope walk, and he could get better. He's very young. Yeah, uh, but. I'll I'll let somebody else see the glass half the glass half full there. My first thought was he's going to be drafted as a top fifty player, but yeah, I mean third round, top forty player, that's yeah, third or fourth is what I was thinking. Yeah. Yep. So that home run to fly ball ratio entering Sunday before this two home run game was twenty five point eight percent. that that is a really high home run to fly ball ratio. But yes, it is. And I've I've made this point with Juan Soto in the past. You can maintain a high home run to fly ball ratio when you hit the ball very hard in the air, which you alluded mm-hmm. to, Scott. But Harris's exit velocity on fly balls and line drives is 23rd among qualified hitters. So when he hits the ball in the air, he hits it really, really hard. It's just, can he maintain that? It's, you know, he's he's done it now in his rookie season. Juan Soto has done it for three or four years. So we can trust it. Well, I don't know and, how much and, we could trust it yet with Michael Harris. And, you know, not to. I don't think it's totally an apples to apples comparison because to put it into context, 57% ground ball rate for Michael Harris. You know, we, we talk about how 51% ground ball rate is high for, for Juan Soto. And, and that's a big yeah. difference. 51 and 57. Yeah, no, it is. Freddie Freeman had eight hits this weekend, including two home runs. His season long line now is 331 batting average, 19 home runs, 103 runs, 90 RBI and 11 steals. It just, 
really does not get better than that as an all-around player for fantasy purposes. Manny Machado had a double dong on Saturday, which brings him to 28 home runs on the season. Eugenio Suarez hit three more homers this weekend, including a double dong on Sunday, and he's now up to 30 home runs. So the... I'm not going to call it a great season. It's been a very good season for Suarez. Continues. Yeah, a lot better than it could have been. Yep. John Carlos Stanton returned on Saturday, and he hit home runs in back-to-back games. So maybe signs of life there. Glaber Torres went two for four with a double dong on Sunday. He's now up to 21 homers. But before this game, his second half was a 189 batting average, five homers, and a 530 OPS. So I don't know he needs to be rostered in points leagues. And, yeah, you probably should still have him in Roto Leagues. What do you think, Scott? Glaber Torres? Yeah, I, I, I guess that's fine. Roto with the extra middle and field spot, that would that would still make Torres useful. But he had been really unproductive prior to this game. So, not to uh, wouldn't be so eager to have him in a points league. I thought or, any, Steve- or any head-to-head league, really. I thought Stephen Kwan only hits for batting average. And then on Sunday, a sock and a shoe. He went three for five. He hit his fourth home run, his 14th steal. Obviously, not much power, but he is running more than I thought he would, and he's batting 291 overall, so it's it's been a pretty productive season for Steven Kwan as well. Roddy Telez went three for five with a double dong. He's now up to 30 homers. Adolis Garcia hit two more home runs. He now has 25 home runs and 23 steals on the season. Another <laughs> guy with just a ridiculous year. Justin Turner had a double dong on Sunday, including a grand slam. His last you know 50 or so games have been... Just basically prime Justin Turner. Trey Turner, his teammate, went two for five with his 20th home run. That uh, enters him into the 2020 club on the year. He's got 24 steals. He's betting 306. And then Julio Rodriguez also went three for four with a double dong, including a game-tying home run off of Kenley Jansen. Now has 25 bombs on the season. Julio Rodriguez. Let's wrap up, Scotty. Some bullpen updates, some streamers, the calls to the bullpen. For the Cubs on Friday, Brandon Hughes recorded the final four outs for his fourth save and is 16% rostered. The Cubs are not a good team. They kind of mix and match right now. But I think if any, like the most likely person to get their next save is Brandon Hughes. Yeah, they're clearly not treating him like a conventional closer. This was his first save since August 23rd, and they had had two other guys record saves since then. But I, I agree. If you have to pick somebody from the Cubs rotation, it should be Brandon Hughes. For the Orioles on Friday, Dylan Tate recorded the final four outs for his fourth save, and Felix Bautista is dealing with arm fatigue. So I uh, hope, mm. hope he's good to go heading into the week. i got to wait on some more news with him, but if he does miss some time, it looks like Dylan Tate would be the next one up there. For Tampa Bay on Friday, JT Chargois, great name, started the ninth inning with a three-run lead but gave up a run. He was then relieved by Sean Armstrong, who recorded just one out for his second save of the year. Uh, Jason Adam and Pete Fairbanks both pitched last on Wednesday. I think they should have been available on Friday, but maybe they were just playing it safe. Whatever. It's Tampa Bay. For the Rangers. So Felix Bautista was available on Sunday and said he was feeling really good. So you're probably safe to start him this week. Nice. For the Rangers on Friday, Jose Leclerc entered the ninth inning with the game tied. He gave up a run on a hit and a walk. He took the loss. And then on Sunday, he bounced back, struck out two for his fourth save of the season. If you need saves, looks like Leclerc is kind of stepping up as the guy for the Rangers. Uh, For the A's on Friday, A.J. Puck 
entered the ninth inning with a three-run lead. He gave up five runs. Five. He took his fifth blown save and his third loss. Oakland is just... They're Oakland. So, I'm not excited to have any reliever for the Oakland A's. For the Red Sox on Sunday, I skipped a whole day. There was, like, not really any bullpen stuff on Saturday. Uh, For the Red Sox, they had a one-run lead, and this was their order of operations. John Schreiber in the sixth, Matt Strom in the seventh, Garrett Whitlock in the eighth, and... What's dead may never die. Matt Barnes in the ninth. Once again, his fifth save, 12% rostered. I don't really have a good read on this one, Scott. I I think they're just kind of mixing and matching where they need guys, but I, I think it could be any of Schreiber, Whitlock, and Matt Barnes on a given day. Yeah, I think so too. For the Phillies on Sunday, we mentioned this earlier, earlier, but Sir Anthony Dominguez pitched in the eighth. David Robertson struck out the side for his 19th save. For the Pirates on Sunday, it looks like they went to Chase DeYoung for the save, and uh, he had a two-run lead. He wound up giving up four runs. He took the blown save and the loss. And then, wacky final game here, uh, the Mariners and the Braves. For the Mariners' side of things, Diego Castillo entered the game with a four-run lead. He gave up three runs, was replaced by Paul Sewald, who then gave up two runs. So the Braves have the lead going into the ninth. I'm sorry, Scott. Uh, yeah, thanks for reliving this for me. And then Kenley Jansen gave up two solo home runs, and he took his seventh blown save, second loss of the year. He's mm. he's been pretty shaky recently. Do you, I don't? Yeah, think they I would, think he's blown three saves and six chances. I think. Do you think they would actually try anyone else down the stretch? Realistically, no. I kind of wish they would. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they have Rysel Iglesias there, who That's of true. course has plenty of history as a closer himself. But realistically, I don't think that's going to happen. To stream or not to stream, on Monday, we've got Trevor Rogers up against the Rangers, Glenn Otto at the Marlins, Eduardo Rodriguez versus the Astros, John Gray at the Marlins, Braxton Garrett also making his return up against the Rangers, and then Ryan Nelson up against the Dodgers. Yeah, and Braxton Garrett, by the way, he's kind of in the same boat. John Gray could end up being a two-star pitcher or not. Since he's the young guy, I, I, I lean he thought he won't in his case, but um, just for Monday streaming purposes. Uh, I, I don't feel great about either one of those two coming right off the IL, but I, of these options, well, Trevor Rogers against the Rangers is probably my favorite. And I, I think John Gray would be my second favorite, even with the, the concerns about the volume. On Tuesday, Luis Sessa up against the Pirates, Jose, Jose Suarez at the Guardians, Hunter Brown at the Tigers, Bailey Falter at the Marlins, Dean Kramer at the Nationals, Ken Waldachuk at the Rangers, and Jacob Junis versus the Braves. I will go Hunter Brown. For sure. Bailey Falter at Miami, like that. The Marlins are terrible terrible against lefties, and he did okay against them in his last outing. Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> I like Jose Suarez even more. There are a lot of good options here on Tuesday. Okay. Hunter Brown's first choice. Jose Suarez at Cleveland, because Cleveland is terrible against lefties as well. Bailey Falter at Miami, third. And even Dean Kramer of Washington and uh, Luis Sessa against Pittsburgh. I don't think either of those are bad. Wow. The rare streaming recommendations from Scott. So if you do need a day, it looks like Tuesday is your day this upcoming week. We're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again on Wednesday. Bye-bye.
If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework.